Good morning. I bid welcome to our visitors from afar. I've come to join Pete and Marlene. Is it, it's David and Susie. Thank you. They've come from Memphis. Do we have any other visitors who have made who have made our short trips to church uh, seem less than they are? All right, the Steins are here from Maine. Now, who has trouble getting here from Jackson County? <laughs> Let me tell you that every committee in the church, it looks like, is having a meeting today. That's an exaggeration, but the Evangelism Committee and the Christian Education Committee uh, will be meeting following the luncheon, to which everyone is invited. Please do stay for lunch, just think. We won't have to go home and do dishes. So please, after the service, go into Fellowship Hall for a luncheon. Uh, following that, evangelism and Christian education will meet. This evening, the deacons will meet, so make note of that in the bulletin. If you're on both Christian Ed and deacons, just, just stay. <laughs> Let me move on to some matters of pastoral concern. Um, First, to realize that for those who have been uh, directly affected by what occurred on September 11th, uh, tomorrow is the six-month anniversary of that occurrence. Uh, also, I ask that you remember uh, Russell White, who has gone home from the hospital but is still in very weakened condition. Uh, it's, it's not a good idea to visit personally. However, sending cards is always a good idea. Um, Russell had suffered pneumonia uh, after his uh, hip and arm uh, uh, ordeal. And uh, it is that pneumonia that's made him very susceptible to germs and allergens. So that's why uh, it's, it's not too good an idea to visit in, in person, but do send a card. Uh, also remember Bill Badgley at the Bunker Hill Nursing Home. And I received word that uh, Thelma Rule passed away last night, and that there will be a memorial service announced in the newspaper about two weeks from now. Are there other announcements needing to be made? Then let us worship God.
confession found in the bulletin. Let us pray together. We confess our yearning toward thy love, O God. You challenge us to embrace reality and imbue it with truth, justice, mercy, and care. We are not able to fully see and accept responsibility for the many needs of this world. We confess the fears and ignorance that limit us. We confess our need for a deeper capacity to love. Fill us with, remind us of, admonish us to follow Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hear and believe the good news. It is through Jesus Christ and discipleship to him that we are forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Pour out upon us the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be opened to know the things that pertain to life and holiness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This passage that I'm about to read from Matthew chapter 15 beautifully frames Jesus' sense of humor. Presbyterians need to be given permission to find humor in worship services, and so I'm telling you right now that this passage is intended to capture Jesus' humor, so you have permission to laugh. You see, the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Jesus answered, Well, why do you transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father or mother. So for the sake of your tradition, you may have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but far from me is their heart. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of his mouth, this defiles a man. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended? by what you said? Jesus answered, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if a blind man follows a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Here ends the reading of the gospel. Thanks be to God. Would my young listeners come forward? In fact, leave some room here because I'm going to pull something out. You know, yesterday I was over in the Nisbet's yard and I gave 
Sarah truly here the choice. Should I use candles, balloons, or water? And she said, oh, bring water today. So pastor brought his cauldron. Now here we have a big pot of water. It's full. That's not a sound you usually hear in church. Now how can we get that water down into this fish tank without pouring it? Oops, then you have to pour it. Set the bucket in the fish tank. But it won't fit. What, what, what? All right, if we had a really long drill, we could do that. We could just stick it right through the bottom, put a hole in the bucket through the... That, we've got some engineers here. I mean, this is really... All right, well, we've got an example here, something we can use. We take the hose. Now, the water doesn't want to just jump right up the hose, does it? Have you ever seen water come down out of a... Do you know what this is called? If we get the water to come through the tube, it's called something that begins with an S. Sewer? <laughs> okay, you win. Well, suction is close, but it's called a siphon. Sewer. Yeah, well, oh, wow. Now, I brought a really long hose because I have to provide the, the first suction on here, and if it's a short hose, I usually end up with something in my mouth. Well, yeah, well, no, it's clean water. Well, yeah, the tube is dirty, but when it's a fish tank, you don't want to get that fish water in your mouth. So I have a long hose here. Don't let me down. There we go. Look at that. It not only comes, it not only comes down to the floor, but it goes back up into the tank. Now, getting it back up is another problem. Um, now, I'm not doing much work now, am I? No. I just provided the suction to get it going. Well, you know. Some of what Jesus said is, is about doing bad things works like this. It just takes one person to provide the suction to do something bad. And then if they do something bad to us, we get mad at them. And maybe we say something bad or we do something bad. And that first person doesn't even have to try anymore. And then once we say or do something bad, then somebody else gets angry and they say or do something bad. And it, it's just, it just keeps sucking more evil out of people. But the first person doesn't have to work on it anymore. Well, if we put, you can imagine there are fish in there. How's that? They're green fish and green water. Now, this will probably take another uh, five minutes to fill. So, I'll tell you what, while I'm holding this, how about you all hold hands in a circle and we have a prayer? Made a circle yet? Um, you go ahead and make your circle. Okay, somebody, I'll tell you what. Put your hand on my head. 
You put a hand on my arm, you put a hand on my head. How's that? Or my shoulder. Would you feel better about the shoulder? The knee? All right, just, just stand close. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we know how easy it is to, to respond to bad things that happen to us by saying or doing bad things. Help us not to be sucked down the tube like that. Help us to respond with good things, to say and do good that others might learn from our example. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your help. We, we practically emptied the bucket. Thank you all.
after Jesus had made the statement that if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit, Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Jesus said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and so passes on? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not. There was a seminary student who once visited a blind man, and this student preacher had just enough training and counseling to be dangerous. He noticed that the fellow seemed somewhat glum as he came to visit him and said, well, you're looking somewhat down in the dumps today. You want to talk about it? The blind man thought a moment and said, no, I, I don't care to talk about it. So the student preacher dug into his bag of tricks and realized, well, if I confront him a little bit, it might draw him out and confrontation might produce a response and get him talking about what he's feeling. So he said, well, I'm guessing and tell me if I'm wrong uh, that Perhaps you have grown weary of life because you can no longer see. The blind man thought a moment and said, No, I have grown weary of life because I can still hear. This ties in beautifully with Jesus saying, It's not what goes in to a person's mouth, but what comes out that defiles them. And I find it interesting that Jesus lumps together evil thoughts with murder and adultery, fornication, theft, all together with false witness and slander. You see, given our imperfect world and our attempts at justice, we see sins with different grades, first-degree murder, second-degree manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, and so forth. Jesus is saying, sin is sin. Christians are in a particular dilemma as to how to promote Christian values without passing judgment. How do you promote Jesus Christ without condemning people, without doing what the Pharisees did? See here in the law or the tradition, this is the way you're supposed to act. You didn't do that. Point the finger. You're wrong. How do Christians promote Christ without condemning? Well, I come back to this business of evil begetting evil. You see, when someone works evil, perhaps even against us personally, we have a response that is generally evil thinking evil thoughts or whatever, just like that tube suctioning the water out of the pot. Evil sort of draws evil forth. I have a very personal example I can use. In the past 48 hours, well, 50 hours, 
when I left my home on Friday morning at 9 a.m., this lovely decorative sign with my house number on it that I had labored hard to replace the numbers and paint it and build a brick and concrete planter around it and planted pansies. It was there. When I left at 9 a.m., when I returned at 12 noon, it was gone. It was stolen. Boy, did I have some wicked thoughts the rest of Friday. What sort of person would do this? Must have been some no-account come up from White County. <laughs> then I went and talked to the police to get a report filed, and they said, oh, no, there are young people, either high school or college age, that they, they have, a, they have a, a scavenger hunt. She said, well, you know, last year, or, or maybe it was just a few days ago, it was in the newspaper, but they said at one point in time, they, they went out after all these decorative globes that people have in their gardens. You know, you have a concrete pedestal and a red globe or an orange globe or a silver globe. Well, this group, whoever it is, had, you know, they had stolen 300 of these things all around town. And the, the police have to go and fill out a report on all of these 50 or 100 or $150 items that your deductible, you know, your insurance company is not going to pay for anyway. So the police were scrambling on Friday because there had been a whole rash of thefts. So I'm thinking, oh, some students at Tech started spring break early. They ought to be flunked out. Maybe I should go talk to President Bell, fix them. Then I told Kristen, hey, you're good at finding things out. Go and ask around the high school. See if any high school students were doing this. I'll have my good friend, Errol Mays, go visit them. Well, by Saturday night, I realized I was defiled, and I had done most of the defiling. I can just stick some $1.50 numbers up on that brick planter now, <laughs> some reflector numbers. But who had done all the defiling? I was stewing about it. And you know, there are things we stew about for a lifetime. Whenever I think of defilement, I remember one of my roommates. There were four of us living together in an apartment at Lehigh University, and one of our roommates had had ten siblings. Huh, you think three is difficult. And obviously, as the chaplain at Lehigh pointed out to us, his family probably didn't have time or energy to keep toothbrushes sorted out because we determined. Well, you'll guess what we determined. I came into the apartment once, and one of my other roommates was sitting there with a wet toothbrush. And he said to me, Dave, I've been defiled. Michael has used the Holy of Holies. We went to Bible study that night at a chemistry professor's house, Dr. Tom Ortolano. He held Bible study in his house. And we turned to this passage. It is not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but what <laughs> proceeds forth. Well, Bill bought a new toothbrush anyway. <laughs> Poor Bill. But look at what Jesus lumps together in here with evil that comes forth from our actions and our words when we respond to evil. Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and slander. Beware of gossiping. Jesus lumps these together with murder. 
He also spent a great deal of time saying that the prophecy is fulfilled, the kingdom of heaven is at hand when the law will be written on people's hearts. Not in a book for other people to point a finger and find them guilty of breaking. My grandma, who had only an eighth grade education, she had to leave school when her father was struck by a trolley and had pressure on the brain that could not be relieved and spent the rest of his life in a hospital. She went to work at the age of 11 or 12. She had some of the most amazing sayings, and one of them was, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So don't be too proud of your PhDs. Um, it's amazing how the light of God comes through everyone. And it was true. You can point a finger and find fault as much as you want with a point of view, whether it's abortion or capital punishment or homosexual pastors. You can argue till you're blue in the face and not convince someone is of a different opinion. To present Jesus Christ to people requires real work. It requires planning. It requires thought and sacrifice. You not only have to sit down and write what is the equivalent of a business or marketing plan, figuring out to whom you are going, what words you will use, what resources are demanded, what it's going to cost you, when you're going to do it, and how you're going to divvy up the time over this next year, and then how you're going to evaluate how things went. That's evangelism. Probably the churches that accomplish that can be counted on one's hand. At Menlo Park, that I memorized because it had big words. I realized year, years later that he put this in, saying into big words simply because it proved the point. It was too hard to understand. And the saying was this There is no expedient to which a man will not resort to avoid the true labor of thinking. Now, how many people got to the word expedient passing through Menlo Park? Got to the first multi-syllable word and said, whoop, let's go on and look at the record player he invented. It's hard work, and we avoid hard work, and the real hard work is the thinking part. You have to think. You have to question, am I open enough? Can I do this? Can I trust in God that God will give me the words to say at the right time? And so forth requires thought. Jesus found fault with the Pharisees because they were finding fault. They were pointing a finger at others. As he said elsewhere, they bound heavy burdens for others to carry and lifted not a finger to help. Jesus got into people's minds and persuaded by entering their heart. If I were to argue that capital punishment is wrong. There is not one person, here or anywhere, whom if they believed it was right, would be persuaded by any information I could provide. If I were to argue that capital punishment was necessary, there is not one person here who believes it's wrong who would be persuaded by any statistics that I prove. I've mentioned on several occasions a man named Hector Black. So I, I will mention him once again. Hector 
can persuade me to open my mind, as we prayed earlier, open our hearts and minds to the Word of God, he could convincingly get me to think about changing whatever my thoughts are on capital punishment. And I will tell you why. Hector is one of our local Quakers, and he is a true pacifist, not a superficial pacifist that simply says war is wrong, but one who, with the Quaker Society of Friends, at the conclusion, not even the conclusion, during the final days of World War II, went with the Society of Friends to Europe as areas of France were liberated and helped in the rebuilding of homes, the sheltering of homeless, the feeding of the hungry, and the visiting of those alone who had lost loved ones to the occupation of the Nazis. Those few veterans who were in the areas where the Quakers were doing their work, at least the two that I know of, commented, those civilians made us proud to be Americans. They wouldn't carry a gun. They wouldn't fight. But they were there doing the work of Jesus Christ. They made a powerful statement to GIs who were present and saw this going on. They came all the way from the safety of the United States to work in war-torn Europe doing the work of Christ. They didn't have to argue a word about whether or not you believe the Bible or read your Bible. People saw it and were impressed and took Christ seriously as a result. Well, Hector Black, a few years ago, was doing Quaker ministry in Atlanta. And there he lived near to a woman who had two small children, two girls, whose husbands had abandoned them. And Hector and his wife, Susie, formed with this woman a three-parent family. Those children spent a lot of time with Hector and Susie, and indeed, when they moved up to Jackson County, 17 miles north of here where they live today, those girls came and spent a lot of time with Hector and Susie, vacations, weekends, and so forth. In fact, the influence of Hector and Susie in their lives caused one of these girls to become a social worker and work with at-risk teenagers in Atlanta so that they did not succumb to the irresponsibility and violence that so many teens succumb to. So it is with great irony, great tragic irony, that last year one, this girl surprised a burglar in her apartment and was murdered. Now that's not the end of the story. The funeral was held up at the Quaker settlement she is buried up there, not a quarter of a mile from Hector's back door. His daughter, she considered him a father. She, he considered her a daughter. Last month, in the first week of February, as is a custom now in our law enforcement and judicial system, the victims of this crime were able to confront the person who was apprehended, tried, and convicted of the murder. Part of his sentence is to listen to whatsoever they had to say. Hector and Susie went. Hector called me. He needed to talk. He was torn. He felt sorry for and wanted the salvation of this man and at the same time wanted him put away where he could do no harm. 
He was wrestling between his conviction that capital punishment is wrong and his desire to remove this threat to society. I don't think any of us can know the kind of struggle that that confrontation caused for Hector. We can imagine. Those of us with children can imagine. Hector told me that he said one thing, well, amongst other things that he said, he said one thing to this man who had been found guilty of the murder. The death of either of us would diminish us both. Now, Hector does not have to argue his stance on capital punishment. The life he has lived, the sacrifices he's made, and the testimony he gives of his inner struggle enters into my heart and begins to argue with me. And that's how Jesus worked, entering into people's hearts. To say, in this case, In this world, evil will come to you. Beware not to respond with evil thought or action or word because you will be defiled yourself. In the 17th chapter of Luke, he says, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to him by whom they come. Don't become part of that chain, a link in a chain of evil, a bit of water in a tube being siphoned out of the bucket of life. When Jesus told his disciples, take heed to yourselves, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times, forgive him seven times. I tell you, if he says, I repent, you must forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith then. That's a hard thing to do. He said in chapter 12 of Luke, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who can kill the body, and after that have no more they can do to you. I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him whom after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. But even so are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God. Even the hairs of your head are no numbered, so fear not. You are of more value than sparrows tell you rather, as an alternative, everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven. Meaning that response to evil. Once you have turned away from good, there's no help unless you choose to turn back. And finally, Jesus told the story to one young man who asked him, who is my neighbor? He said, imagine that one is bleeding by the side of the road near dead, and a priest who knows the law, and a Levite who knows the law, practice the law in its entirety. The scripture is all to them, and they follow it scrupulously. They won't touch this bleeding, dying person for fear of becoming defiled. A Samaritan, who is rather liberal in their interpretation of Scripture, imagine this person puts the dying man on his donkey and 
pays whatever cost to have him healed. Now, which of the three has been neighbor to the injured man? Got right into the heart of the person who said, I suppose the one who did mercy to him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. For what proceeds out of your hands and mouth, it is that which either defiles or praises God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Turn with me now to hymn number 324. Open my eyes that I may see. the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 
Let us bow our heads and hearts in prayer. O God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, be with us in this season of Lent. As the days lengthen, as the light of the daytime increases, make us mindful to be careful about the increasing of light in our own souls. You are the ceaseless creator, revealed in every constructive act. We have come to you this day, and we enter your sanctuary to give you praise. All around us, we look forward with hope to the bursting out of nature and the sound of the birds, celebrating the fact that winter is over and new life springs up everywhere. Grant that our hardened hearts and huddled in their protective wrappings may be sensitive to your calling of new life and break through their shells into new growth. We bless you for the life that has been given, for the glory of the lighted mind that can seek and know and order our lives, for the strength of heart that enables us to carry on when we would rather quit, and for the hope of soul that wakens in us courage for the morrow. We give you thanks for all the tokens of your unfailing love and presence. And now, O oh God, we wait before you. We have come because the world does not give us all we need. We come because we need to have our sights raised and our spirits lifted by understanding your priorities for us. We come bringing the wants and desires for our lone lives that we can never put aside for very long. Take us as we are, O oh God, and help us in these moments to be honest with ourselves. To know that your love expressed in Jesus Christ will more than make up for our own faults if we will just stop pretending to be righteous and let you use us as you will. Startle us into life that we may be ready to receive new flashes of understanding and have our eyes opened by your wonder and glory. Here in your presence, we know we cannot pray for ourselves without praying for others as well. So we ask you to look down in mercy upon all who are in pain this day. We think of those who are ill. We remember Russell White and his struggles. We think of Bill Badgley, one of the last of our soldiers who was there at Pearl Harbor the day it was attacked. Think of so many others who have been in the hospital and out of the hospital in the last few weeks. Those who suffer from anxiety of mind or bitterness of heart. Those who have endured loss or separation from loved ones. In the midst of their aching and fearful hours, may we find your presence. Be with the lonely and unfriended through us. Those who feel they must hide who they really are from those who would react in anger. Those who must make hard decisions with no easy answers, and those who find it hard to believe in goodwill when ill will is so much around them. Grant to those we love and who love us such a portion of your grace and blessings as will keep them and us unto eternal life. Finally, O oh Lord, we pray for our unhappy world with all its violence and wretchedness. Made to share this planet, we spend our efforts to be what we are not. We are enemies when we should be friends, when we stand before you, we see how little consequence are the divisions we have made. Of race and color, nation and speech, class and creed, our deepest human aspirations are the same, our deepest human needs are the same. Grant us not only to believe this, but also to live it. Save us from living on a small scale in a great age. Open the eyes of some of us to causes that are worth giving our lives to. 
Though we may not see all things clearly, let us see some great things plainly and try to live by them. And may the touch of Christ upon our spirits make us wise enough to help make our world a little better. We pray all this in the name and for the sake of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we prepare to worship God through the symbol of our substance in tithes and offerings, I want to give you forewarning of the availability of the one great hour of sharing envelopes. They are on the round table at the rear of the sanctuary. Take an envelope home, put it on the kitchen table, and pray over it. This is one gift through the Presbyterian Church 100% of will go to the needs of this world. All the overhead is covered by the denomination. Dollar for dollar will go to worldwide needs. Let us worship now with our tithes and our offerings.
God, there is such a great need in this world. There are children starving. There are people dying on streets of cities. There is warfare in all corners of the earth. Let this offering be a symbol of our substance poured out in the desire to heal the wounds of this world rather than contribute to them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. let me share with you what one of our ushers came forward to tell me. Bob Anderson said, there is so much food in Fellowship Hall, no one can go home. <laughs> now let us bow for the blessing. Gracious God, we thank you for the bounty of this country. May the bounty of your spirit be upon this congregation in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Creator, 
the Redeemer, the Spirit in our heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.